0: Uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Rock and Roll Ghost Podcast. This week we have a very special guest, uh, somebody you have you definitely have seen in a lot of things. Uh, he's a filmmaker, uh, actor, director, uh, philanthropist. Bill Duke is here with us this week to talk about his role in Steven Soderbergh's uh, HBO Max movie, No Sudden Move. How are you doing today, Mr. Duke? Very good, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you. This is, this is mind blowing. If I could go back to the kid that saw you first in action Jackson in 1986 and uh, and say, I'm going to talk to that guy. I don't think that would, I, I don't think that would have been possible. Um, and, you know, I mean, it was, you know, it was like, I saw you in a bunch of things in a row and then you started directing movies and I mean, a rage in Harlem, deep, deep cover. I can't wait to buy on criterion. I am so excited. Uh, um, yeah, that's a, that's a very special movie. And, um, and hoodlum as well was another one that I saw in the theaters, uh, that I really love too. And, uh, so yeah, you've got a, you've got quite a, a, a long history of, of great films, uh, behind you, but l- let's talk a little bit about No Sudden Move. Um, how, how did you get like involved with, uh, this project in particular? Did did Mr. Soderbergh come to you, or did you just were you looking for a role?
1: Well, this is the third film that I've built and done with Steven. Um, right, The Miami, Then High Flying Bird, and now uh, this one. So,
0: oh, I, f- I forgot about High Flying Bird. Yeah, yeah. You
1: no, know, you know, he shot that with five iPhone Seven Pluses.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's crazy.
1: And then when and when they did the dolly shots, they rolled around on a wheelchair.
0: You <laughs> sir. No, oh, I know. I know he's he's gone very unconventional at times. Brilliant, brilliant.
1: So, um, really, um, I was up for the role. My agent talked to Stephen, and um, they gave me the role. I didn't have to audition or anything because he,
0: yeah,
1: so he's a great human being, also. And working with Don Cheadle and Matt Damon and those guys, it was like a family.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you you go way back with with Stephen. I I I. I you kind of jolted my memory about the limey and man boy that is a movie that is huh? a fantastic film I love that. i've love i got that on dvd and i haven't seen that in a while it's one of those movies like you love so much the first time you're not sure if you're you, not, not that you won't like it again but it's so special that first time you kind of want to hold on to that memory like i haven't seen memento again because that works out as certain well, there are certain films that just mm-hmm. special for how they unravel Yes. Um, yeah. And, and that one I got, that was Terrence Stamp is, is just amazing. Yes. yes. Um, the crime milieu, I mean, is really kind of like a, a place that you're, you're known for in a lot of ways with respect to your, your, your roles and, and some of your early films, especially. And, um, do you, what, what do you think that that is just because of people see you in one role and, Think okay, well, that that's that's him, or is it just a subject you're interested in in general?
1: Well, two well, two things. One, people see me in that way. I'm tall. I'm dark, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to some people are either menacing or mysterious. But yeah. yeah, I mean, they they typecast me, but also I'm attracted to films that. How can I see uh, say? They, they show so-called bad guys. Mm They also reveal their humanity. Uh, One of my favorite, and I say this all the time, uh, television series was Dexter, and I felt Mm -hmm. shameful watching it. Yeah. I'm I'm rooting for a serial killer. (laughs) Yes. But he's killing people worse than him. Right. Yeah, yeah. A a brilliant concept, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yes, yes. Yeah, there's, there's so much to explore because, you know, so many people get involved in crime that aren't necessarily bad people they're they just make poor decisions sometimes or they just get swept along in it some people are that bad and <laughs> you know they they're in it because they like it
1: <laughs> oh no many times they're desperate
0: yes yes you know? that's that's the key how did you uh, what did you think of the character of Aldrich uh, watkins when when you first read it and, and how did how did you decide to play? Him? I mean, he's a very smooth, cool guy. He's, you know, you don't you don't have a lot to say in it. You, you, it's more of a look. In fact, I think you wear shades for most of it. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> um, how did you How did you first respond to it, and and where did you take it from from the script on?
1: Well, basically, you know, um, you know, in terms of acting, you work with the writer and you work with the producer, direct, I mean, the director, and director for an overall vision of what, you know, they're expecting out of this character. And uh, then you take it into your system, so to speak. Yes. The system digests it as an actor. Mm-hmm. And then you have to trust, you know, I, I, I when I teach acting, I, I, uh, I tell my students, it's like falling into darkness backward. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of trust your instinct, trust your inner being to, to move with it. And this character, You know, it was a collaboration between the Wardrobe people. Um, Just, I just felt that he was a real OG. And by real OG, I mean, if you go back to The Godfather and those people, right, they didn't have to talk too much. Mm -hmm. And when they did, you know, it was meaningful. And you had to listen because they knew where your kids went to school.
0: Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they
1: don't have to scream or shout or be, you know, voiceless or anything. They have true power. And mm-hmm. at that time in Detroit, it was the OG, the black OG, that had real power that could compete with other gangs. Mm-hmm. And so there was mutual respect.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a certain... Um, there's an interesting thing about when, they, when people have gone back and kind of studied... Um, a particular uh, black criminal organizations, where I mean, you had you you have to really think about how different things were back then. Number one, for you know anybody that wasn't white, number one. But number two, criminals, um, you had to operate on a on a different level. Um, I think to be successful, you had to make sure that you know not make make certain waves, perhaps. Um, But, you know, I think oftentimes, too, when something's relegated to a certain community, some other circumstances or people kind of take a blind eye to it, too, Mm -hmm. uh, as long as you don't start coming over to the wrong side of the tracks or whatever the case may be. So it's fascinating to see this portrayal as somebody that's got um, his section of Detroit pretty well locked down. Uh, And even with somebody like Don Cheadle's character trying to uh, Mm out-scheme him, um it just it ain't gonna happen. Um Make a mistake. yes, yes. What was your take on, on the relationship between your, your character and Don's uh in the movie? They they obviously at one point had been close.
1: Yeah, I, I you know I treated him like a son because mm-hmm. he's brilliant. Two, he's ruthless. And um three, he has the courage to be who he really is and he wants power. Right. So I treated him like a son because I saw that maybe he could take over when I left, hired whatever. But he made a mistake in just a small business reaction. He took advantage of his father, which was me. Yeah. And now I have one of two choices. <laughs> <laughs> I can forgive my son Mm-hmm. or I can uh have my son removed right, and I'm split in the middle because i'm i'm'm I'm, what I'm doing I'm watching him mm-hmm. and my boys are saying take him out i mean what what are you doing this for those little that little few thousand dollars he I'm saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know maybe there was a reason maybe there was uh, I'm just thinking it through
0: right yeah you, there's a lot there's a lot to think about behind um what maybe even if isn't there on the page.
1: Yes, always. That's always the yes. case. Yeah. So I'm um, justifying my behavior that way. But in the end, you know, the father wins and mm. uh, lets him live, puts him through some things, punishments for what he did for the betrayer. Yeah. But in the end, lets him live because he, again, a bad guy with a human side. Does that make any sense?
0: No, absolutely. I think, I think that's, um, that, that's part of the problem is that there is a humanity in, in everyone, whether, whether, you know, depending on what side of the, of the the road you're, you're traveling on, I suppose. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, of the few people that actually managed to, um, and I guess I should have said spoilers ahead, but, um, but a few of the people that actually managed to get by in this case, you know, besides the big uh, auto executive uh, Kurt, and it, it is yourself, you know, you, um, you know, the Italian mobster didn't, doesn't make out so well. <laughs> um, the other schemer with Kurt doesn't make out so well. Um, you know, none of, none of the, not too many people make it out of this thing in a in a good way um so it's it's kind of amusing to see who's left with something at the end yes. um yeah and then but after all his trouble kurt kurt don's character isn't really left with he's left with a lot i guess he has his life which you know thank god um and a few few grand <laughs> In his life yeah lucky yeah. but it's funny that the auto executive ends up with more than he even put out He so we Surprised? Not at all. I, I I thought, I thought, uh, I thought the 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 change to um, a a different line of thinking. You know, different plot kind of. You know, what what was being said later in the film was really interesting. You know, because the the first, I'd say twenty or thirty minutes, I was just kind of just grabbed by. I don't know what is happening here. I don't know what's going to happen because i i knew to expect the unexpected but not to know what the unexpected would be you know i I definitely had the opinion that anyone could go at any time um but it it goes it starts as a as a kind of a crime thriller and then it goes into um a a case in in social uh in, in history you know historic uh behavior and um it's fascinating. I didn't even realize until the end that it was actually based in some part on reality.
1: It was, yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. Um, but is it any surprise that the big automakers kept other automakers from, you know, I, I remember the Coppola movie, Tucker, mm-hmm. uh, the man in his dreams, you know, that was the first time I realized, oh my God, you know, this is like Corporations have are really ruthless, I think. I was 16 at the time, so or 17. So I was still young, know, young. Um, but yeah, this kind of further brings home the fact that, you know, all of this stuff is is cutthroat. Yes. And who's the real criminal in the end?
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that um Years ago, I directed a, a, a film called Deep Cover, mm-hmm. and uh, it's based on a book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the author of the book was a drug enforcement agent.
0: Okay. And
1: and he, um, in his mind, he said, because he did with they call the mules, the street people, that that handed the drugs out. Mm-hmm. And one day he said, Hey, wait a minute. They, I'm getting these people arrested, etc. But wait a minute. They're not growing it, they're not manufacturing it, right. they're not it to the country. Hmm. So he went up to his folks that were in charge of him and said those things to them. He says, I want to go after those people. Mm. And they told him to shut up. Right?
0: <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> shut so up. How the does, how, right. How does anything get in this country? somebody must know how it's getting in I think so <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm profiting from it what's that
1: I'm profiting from it
0: yes absolutely absolutely or you know you know the the complex way that our country deals with other countries I mean you know the 80s just look at the and this is part of what I'm sure uh you know you were uh, everybody was w- working on with the contra- Iran Contra affair you know and basically allowing Colombia to you know uh traffic and cocaine you know the CIA at least and it's it's um i don't know the whole the however our country is run is just so bizarre um great country. what's that great country though Yes, I still love my country. Um, in, in a lot of ways, I, I don't know where else to go if I wanted to go somewhere. Else. Either, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like I guess Canada. I mean, but mm-hmm. they got their own problems. Mm-hmm. You know, New Zealand maybe. I don't. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, but it, it's just fascinating to see what we do in the pursuit of other things in this country. I guess it, it, it's a complex way of saying it, but, um, well, let, you know, let me talk to you a minute about, about deep cover because it is, because that's coming out soon on criterion, as I, as I mentioned, um, how, how did you, how did you get approached about the, the new release and what did you, what did you want to, uh, bring to the, the video release on criterion for a deep cover?
1: Well, I, uh, First of all, you know, I just it was so appreciative that they were doing it, you know. And then we talked about, you know, in terms of visually um, what I had designed. and uh, wanted to make sure that that was not featured, but understood. Um, I, If you look at the film closely, you'll see two colors repeated repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, red and green. Uh, in terms of backgrounds, backdrops, streets, even when Lawrence Fishburne gets his condo that he hasn't told Jeff Goldblum to get his foot off the couch or whatever, if you look at the couch closely, it's red and green. Mm -hmm. Um, The green stands for money. Right. The red stands for blood. Right. So I wanted to subliminally put that theme throughout the entire movie because I don't know if the audience would feel it or not, but that was my intent to give those two elements.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I distinctly remember going to see that movie and just being blown away. And, and I, I loved Lawrence at that point. I mean, I'd yes. seen him when I, I'd seen him in Apocalypse Now when I was a kid on like, you know, ABC or, you know, the edited version or something. And then I ended up becoming a fan of his from other things. And, uh, Other coppola things, actually, he did a lot of coppola work. Um, but Jeff Goldblum in that was absolutely crazy
1: incredible, Incredible. he's an incredible actor, great people. Yeah, you say talented, and he's a collaborator because he and Lawrence just found a synergy together. Yeah, we accepted that with each other, and the film wrote on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you've worked with Lawrence a, a, a few times, right. At least twice. place?
1: Yeah, hoodlum, um, deep cover,
0: yeah. Yeah, uh, how, how did you find working with him? Obviously, you brought him back for hoodlum for, you know, so you guys must've gotten along, I would assume. Oh yes,
1: he, he doesn't bring a hundred, he brings a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, he just doesn't do the lines, he becomes the
0: character.
1: Yeah. And, uh, that's to work with, and so does Jeff. Yeah. That kind of talent who are fearless, uh, that's a privilege.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, think back to when you were first trying to break in uh, directing films. You were an actor. Um, what What was the... Uh, Rage and Harlem was your first feature, correct?
1: Uh, no, The Killing oh. Floor. The killing Floor. Okay. That was for PBS. That was my first feature I directed.
0: Okay, okay. I don't think I've seen that one, so I'll have to go check that out. Um, Matter of fact,
1: we're, it's, it's, it's going to be in. They're giving me a, a lifetime achievement award in Cannes this year. Oh, and, and they are basically on the killing floor, and also, okay. Rock Rock, the producer, has made this happen. So,
0: it's oh, excellent. A, so you're going—you're going to France soon, or are you staying here?
1: Uh, we're making a decision right now.
0: So. Okay. Have you gotten vaccinated?
1: Yes, I got the first vaccination the first dosage of the Moderna
0: uh-huh.
1: side effects. So yeah. check that out this coming week.
0: Okay, good. Good. Very good. Very uh, good. Yes, I've already got my I got mine a, a couple months ago. Um thank God. Um, I was the last of my family to get them though. So I was um, but I I you know I feel I feel safe enough. I, I worry you know that who knows if it's enough but you know i have ventured out in the public life a little bit more since since getting them i actually went on a vacation and everything but uh you know fingers crossed you know we're all we're all gonna get through this now Uh, how, how how has the last year been for you uh have you have you done any kind of uh other work in the interim
1: Yes. Uh, well, you know, being quarantined is, uh, I'm going say, there are positives and negatives to it. The positive are self examination. It makes you dig into stuff that maybe you had an idea about, but you didn't manifest. So a lot of the ideas that I had, I started manifesting. Uh, one, two things, two books, um, right. one called The um, Journey. Um, which is uh, a paperback book. And also it's going to be an animated uh, book also. Okay. And then um, the works of the invisible man, which are, the a book of my poetry and writings. Oh, wow. And then I'm launching um, my own network called the Unite, Y-O-U-N-I-T-E, because I'm concerned about the future of our children and what we're leaving them. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look on the news, we're being divided, whether it's politics or COVID or whatever. Uh, And the Unite Network uh, really deals with the fact that we should leave our children something better than the debates we're going through now, et cetera. So we report all the good news that's going around in the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. You're quite, what's that?
1: A lot of good stuff that's happening that never gets reported.
0: Yes, yes. Are you doing a lot of good work? I, I appreciate appreciate that actually. Thank you. Um, what, what what prompted you to get into filmmaking, general acting, and, and I guess what what led you to, to going behind the camera uh, after acting for a bit.
1: Well, um, I, I was I was in a play in junior college, Constance Kuhn, head of the speech and drama department, the Emperor Jones, and I got the bug then. But um, my parents said that's a bad idea because the only actor at that time, Black, was Henny Poitiers. Maybe a couple of others, that was it, so. I tried, you know, doing other things, but the bug kept getting to me and I auditioned for the School of Arts at BU, and I got in, and Lloyd Richards was my mentor for many years, first black director on Broadway, raising the Sun. Uh, and um, so I acted, 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 and I was on a show called Palmerstown, USA, couples. Sure. But then, um, in those days, there was a, what they call, uh, you know, you just, after that, I didn't work for two years. And yeah. I was interested, because I directed my own plays in New York and stuff, I was always intimidated by the... I wanted to get into film, but I was intimidated by the cameras, the lights, the size of the crews, all those things. But after Palmer's time I didn't work for two years, so I said I better get over And yeah. so I applied to the American Film Institute and got in. Awesome. The AFI gave me all the foundations. I mean, it's one of the greatest schools you can go to because it doesn't teach you just directing. It teaches you the craft of directing the craft of it and writing and editing and producing and so I was there for a couple of years and that when I came out of the air I made a film called the hero and it won some awards and stuff but I couldn't get it I went to all the studios and networks and say hey this is my film I want some awards please let me um you know direct your TV show or a film and they said no 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 the second one but never the first all right prove yourself so I got depressed, I went away and on the meditation retreat. Oh, wow. My, my, my agent calls me and says, uh, David Jacobs wants to see you, the, the, the producer of Knox uh, Landing. I said, what? So I came back from meditation retreat, <laughs> David Jacobs' office. It lasted five minutes around the interview. I said, oh, he's just doing this as a gesture or whatever. A week later, my agent calls me and says, David Jacobs, oh, wow. Episode of Knox
0: Landing.
1: Wow! Everybody I knew, I was <laughs> happy. I had a, they gave you a week of pre-produc- pre-production, pre-production, and a week to shoot in those days. Right. And at the end of my week of pre-production, Joel, the um, producer, came in, in my office and says, "Hey, Bill, great pre-production work. I knew you're going to be great based upon your reels." I said, "What reels?" Well, the real that you turn into Jacob's other shows. So, wait a minute. It's got an AFI. And uh, he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. It goes into David Jacob's office. Oh, no. Jacob's had mixed my box up with somebody else's. That's how I got my first job. (laughs)
0: Not by a mistake. Is that amazing? That's great, though. That means God has a sense of humor, right? Yes, yes, yes. That what are you, what are your thoughts and feelings at that time? Do you feel like, I mean, are you both elated that you still have the job, but are you like, you didn't really hire me for my work?
1: <laughs> and, and they they tracked me for three days to make sure I could do it when I was shooting. Yeah. I was grateful, you know, I was just grateful to be working on a great show with great people and have the opportunity. I was I was one of the first blacks to be able to do that.
0: That's great. That's great. I mean, yeah, the, the growing up when I did it, it um, I remember because I, I grew up on the uh, at the south uh the, the next suburb over from the furthest south end of Chicago. So the next the next mall or theater that wasn't my hometown theater when it was actually open uh, was this place called Evergreen Plaza. And it was in you know the black black neighborhoods. Um, so I got all of my genre, you know, knowledge from going to Evergreen, you know, taking the bus up, going over and, and I got to see, I don't know how many, I saw, you know, Spike Lee's movies there. I saw Robert Townsend there. I saw, um, uh, a whole bunch of movies, you know, just Mm -hmm. if it was genre, it was playing at Evergreen. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Uh, rarely, you know, rarely did they have anything, you know, too highfalutin I suppose would
1: yeah, highfalutin, that's right. <laughs> you know that and, a hard time. It, highfalutin, wow.
0: yeah it, it didn't necessarily play there you know like but if a black filmmaker made a movie though it was playing there for the most part which was great you know I got to see a lot of films in in that theater uh and got to kind of know a lot of, you know, more about, about people in, in, terms of, you know, their craft and who's, who's this and who's that, um, from that. And I, it's, um, it's such a rewarding thing to see how, yes, there's still a long ways to go for, for, you know, non-white, uh, filmmakers, nice. but we have, we are starting to now be a little bit more, um, mindful, I guess, of, you know, getting other, other voices in the mix
1: yes i agree i agree a thousand percent yes
0: uh i know i don't have much more time with you let me yeah uh i let me just ask you a final question and i'll let you go uh but i really appreciate you taking the time today it's a true honor uh and i i gotta say too and i know it's i know it's a cliche at this point but my god predator (laughs) (laughs) all you guys were super jacked in that <laughs> film. <laughs> it's like, that cast is insane. It is an insanely great cast. So let me let me just speak the praises of your work in that, that amazing film. And John McTiernan. Yes. It, it, brilliant. brilliant, Wonderful filmmaker. And I'm sorry that he had his fall from grace. Because um, I would love to see him still making films. But is he still making films? I don't think he is. No, I think he's kind of been, you know pushed to the side oh. uh, after what happened to him. I, he had some legal issue. Yeah. Yes. I don't remember the details, but um, he was brilliant. Yeah. He, he made so many great films in a row. I mean, it, it, action was forever changed because of what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so my final question is for directing, how much, uh, how much is like a ther- being a therapist on set? meaning you have to know how to talk to people and conjure out of them what you need them to, re, you know, to put forth on screen?
1: Well, I, I see directing as a two-part discipline. Um, one is the creative aspect. And that is, is that you have to collaborate with the writer and the uh, producer to get their vision, along with yours, of what the movie is going to be. And as you so brilliantly stated, you have to translate that vision to crew, cast, staff, I mean it go I mean, we're talking about a lot of people.
0: Yeah.
1: Sometimes, So they were all on the same page. So that's one part of it. The second part of directing is management. And it's the management of three things time, people, and money. Yeah. Because the studio and network are looking at you because not how much money you're spending every minute, but every second. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is if you can save them money, so they can profit, then you become somebody they trust with their vision, and mm-hmm. also you can make them back their money. So it's a two-part discipline.
0: Yes. Awesome. Awesome um well mr duke i i thank you for taking the time today as a reminder uh bill duke is in uh steven soderbergh's no sudden move which is on HBO max now a very very good film that you should be checking out and uh in addition to his foundation his books uh and um Goes, whatever else you may be. I mean, I'm sure you're busy as, as hell, no matter what.
1: Thank God. Uh, you want to mention my foundation at Duke Media Foundation.org. Duke Media Foundation.org.
0: Duke Media Foundation.org.
1: We teach uh, high schools two things media literacy, which is how is our industry changing so they can take advantage of those opportunities, and financial literacy, the distinction between the spending of a dollar and the use of a dollar. And so we awesome. teach. Check out our website
0: awesome duke media foundation.org yes i'll i'll include links to everything that uh, you're involved with as well when i post this uh, this will be up next week so um yeah i i cannot thank you enough again for doing this uh thank, Mr. Duke. Oh, thank you and co- and congratulations on the uh honor from con as well
1: thank you i appreciate that thank you
0: thank all me. right you have a great rest of your day okay all the best man thanks for having me I appreciate it. thank you take care Right.